This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Our automatic response to students who are violent in school is to what? Suspend them. And that makes sense, right? You need to punish kids who act out that way. Well, that may not be the best course. New research conducted right here in southeast Michigan suggests suspension only makes things worse. Joining me now is Dr. Charles Bell. He's an assistant professor of criminal justice at Illinois State University, and he conducted this new research uh, on school suspensions. Dr. Bell, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Glad to be here. So talk about how you went about conducting this research. What did you What did you take a look at? So I was actually interested in understanding how parents, particularly African-American parents and students, perceive school discipline issues. So how does it impact social status, uh, achievement, uh, perceive long-term consequences, such as the school-to-prison pipeline that we talk so much about in the media? And and so you looked at uh, 30 children, is that right? You yes. interviewed 30 kids here in southeast Michigan. 30 kids and 30 parents. And what did you find? So I actually found that uh, school suspensions fail to deter violence because students use them strategically to gain a sense of popularity, toughness, and uh, respect in school. And and when they're doing that, uh, give me an example of, of what, what, what you found. Is this um, uh, something that the, the, the students themselves say that they're doing? Exactly. So uh, typically when I um, went in to interview the study or interview students, I expect the students to have maybe one to five suspensions max. What I found was that students were having 15 to 30 suspensions. And each time they were suspended, they found that when they got back into the school, they got a sense of popularity. So I just uh, created an incentive for them to continuously get in, get suspended and continuously uh, fight other students. So. And and when you talk about the students you talk to, give us a, a demographic picture of them: race, age, family, and income levels of ability. What what makeup was this? Yes, yeah, so it's particularly African American students, um, boys and girls. And the findings were um, across income levels as well. So this was not a phenomenon that occurred specifically amongst low-income students, but it was middle-class students as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and I guess to play devil's advocate a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, if, if I have a child in school and there's another student there who's being violent, maybe toward my uh, my kid. It is my instinct, I think, uh, that reflex to say, well, that's somebody who shouldn't be in the school, right? Uh, the school's not safe if that student is there. So if the answer is not to remove the student from that school, what is the answer? So all of the socio-emotional research on school discipline suggests that we actually explore what's going on in that child's life. Um, maybe it's a home issue. Maybe it's something that's going on in terms of a mental uh, disability. I think these are things that we completely miss when we suspend students. We completely write them off, and suspensions are associated with a, a number of negative outcomes. I think this is a uh, important issue because teachers may not be equipped to handle these sort of, sort of issues um, by themselves. We need social workers. We need psychologists in our schools, and our schools need to be properly funded to handle these sort of issues. And the repetitive nature of these uh, suspensions uh, suggests that it is kind of a snowballing effect, right? Yes. Uh, once you're out, uh, it, it becomes easier to imagine doing the things that will put you out. I mean, uh, it, it seems as though you you become sort of acculturated to the idea 
that you aren't part of the school community and that uh, the things you do might get you put out, but that's okay. Exactly. So these sort of things, they just continuously happen. Um, I remember one student in the study had 30 suspensions and was just continuously engaging in this sort of uh, combative behavior over and over again. So, mm-hmm. uh, This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Dr. Charles Bell. He's an assistant professor of criminal justice at Illinois State University. He's conducted new research here in southeast Michigan that finds school suspensions don't work. They aren't corrective in the way that uh, they have the effect on the students who are suspended. In fact, uh, the suspensions make them more popular in school and make them more prone to do the kinds of things that get them suspended in the first place. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us if you think we should be suspending kids who act out violently at school. Have you or your children ever experienced violence at school and worried about the students who were perpetrating it? What would you suggest happen to those students if they're not put out of school? And how do the schools handle these things? And how do you wish educators and parents would handle these things. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, also, if uh, give us a call and tell us what you think about the, the world of uh, uh, student discipline in general. Are schools getting this right? Uh, talk about your local school district. How do they handle these things? Is that going the way you think it should? Or do you think uh, educators are sort of on the wrong path? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's start with Ryan in Detroit. Ryan, welcome hey, to Detroit hey. today. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Hey. Hey, um, so I, I am uh, coming to you guys with uh, some, some actual first-hand knowledge. Uh, I was a paraprofessional um, with a DPS and a charter school, and in particular, I was put into kind of the, uh, the, the cleanup guy kind of the, to do some of the corrective measures. And what I've learned is that uh, suspension is n- nothing more than, in a lot of cases, than a day off of school for kids. Hmm. Um, because a lot of the, our parents are single and therefore at at work during the time that the kid would be suspended. Um, along with that, coming back to school, there was no real um, nothing really in place to deter the the behavior that initiated the suspension. Hmm. Um, so we have to get a get a better grasp on that. But uh, what I did want to put into the conversation is that um, there is a an ideology called restorative practices uh, that is actually, I believe, uh, written into the state uh, school code of conduct at this moment, uh, and I think very recently between the last year or two. And what it does is that it, it restorative practices is its namesake, where it tries to restore uh, the the community sense within whatever organization it may be that may be a classroom that may be a neighborhood situation that may be uh, a workplace and a lot of times what happens is that we address a a wrongdoing directly to the person uh, and, and instead of being punitive we we of course are being restorative so we let the person know hey you wronged me this is how I feel. Uh, 
Yeah. This is what I would like for you to do moving forward so that it doesn't happen again and know that I still love you at the end of the day, even though you've done something that I, yeah. I did not like. Ryan, Ryan, I really appreciate the call and that and that firsthand perspective um, uh, about this issue. Uh, Dr. Bell, talk about one thing that Ryan said that, that really jumped out at me is this idea that after you suspend a student, if that's what you decide you have to do, He's saying there's not the, the, the kind of infrastructure in place to try to address what is going on with that student when they come back uh, so that they're just pushed back into the school, into the classroom, and made to, 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 uh, to deal with whatever is uh, bothering them, I suppose, uh, on their own. That seems another sort of gap, I guess, in the system. Exactly. So there has to be something in place where students, not only are they um, sort of uh, their issues are being addressed when they come back to school, but they have to have some measure in place where the entire school system sort of bonds together and helps them get over this. So some sort of conflict resolution has to be in place. And restorative justice initiatives, I'm very familiar with them. There's mixed results um, depending upon where you implement them and how the intervention is implemented. Um, in, in many cases, restorative justice practices are not working uh, just because this code of the street, um, these, these norms that govern violence in the street supersede this restorative justice initiative where students are coming in with this mentality of uh, I have to gain respect and I have to continuously earn this sort of toughness and to navigate these sort of uh, schools. So when we look at restorative justice practices, in many cases, they don't work. And so what's the alternative to that, uh, the restorative justice? I mean, I, I read a lot about the idea of restorative justice as one of the alternatives to mm -hmm. suspension. Mm -hmm. So restorative justice practices, what they're essentially doing is that they're creating a parameter that allows them to suspend a student after they've considered the student's age, disability, their um, disciplinary record, and a number of other factors. But, for instance, if a student, a lot of students in my study were being suspended for dress code violations just because they had grown out of uniforms and they could not afford them uh, halfway through the semester. So if a child shows up in a uh, blue shirt or a green shirt and they're being suspended or sent back home, which has happened numerous times in my study, um, they're being suspended for that. Who's the victim and who's the offender there? How do you repair that um, without addressing poverty? without having a conversation with the entire community about, hey, this white shirt that we're assigning as a uniform is preventing the student from getting their education. From even to be able to be here. Exactly. So those are things that restorative justice practices just don't address at that point. So I think we have to um, sort of address the violence component. We have to control or create a collaborative approach where we're partnering with uh, organizations in the community, ceasefire, Cure violence. Uh, there's a lot of research that shows that school-based conflicts initiate in the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, if we can if we can collaborate with organizations that are embedded within the neighborhoods, we could prevent many of these conflicts from ever coming into the school. Mm. Again, Ryan, I really appreciate the call and the perspective there. Let's uh, go to Megan in Northville. Megan, welcome to Detroit. Hi. Today. Good morning, Stephen. Hi. I listen to your show all the time. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I had a question for Dr. Bell regarding um, how consistent. Oh, I think we lost Megan uh, there. We'll try to we'll try to get her back on the phone. Uh, I, I, I was reading what her question was. She wanted to know about violence against teachers and whether that, I guess, sits in a different category 
than violence uh, against other students. Not that not that uh, all violence in schools is unacceptable, but when you have somebody who's willing to challenge the authority, not of not just of that teacher, but of the school, uh, by being violent against the teacher, does that uh, does that really call for a different kind of response. Exactly. And I can't speak to that. I don't have data to support uh, if teachers are uh, at the highest level of this sort of point system where students gain an entirely different level of status if they attack a teacher. But that is something that I'm definitely thinking about. And I'm actually interviewing students right now in Michigan and Illinois to understand this entire value system and if teachers are situated within it and how it's perceived to attack a teacher. I think that's a very important question and as we talk about violence and how it affects the school environment, uh, the impact or the potential to harm school staff is something that's very important. We have mm-hmm. to address it. So. so I've got about uh, a minute and a half left. I- I'm wondering what the response has been to your research so far, especially from schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are they skeptical of, of this conclusion or are they welcoming of it? I think they're welcoming, welcoming of it. And I think for most people, practitioners, I'm just confirming what they already know. Um, they've, already, they've already been on the ground. They've been in these classrooms. So they already know that in many instances, school suspensions are not working. The key is coming together and identifying an alternative that does work. And that's where restorative justices were, or interventions were coming into play. And there was such high regard for them. And there's just the new study that just came out that shows that they're not being effective as we thought they were. So I think we really have to go back to the drawing board collectively and think about what really needs to happen in our schools. And at the very minimum, our schools have to be properly funded. We know that we need social workers. We know we need psychologists. And we just don't have them. And the key is why. Yeah. Uh, What about parents? Are you hearing from parents about this? Yes. And definitely I'm hearing from parents in terms of um, not being at home because they're working. And school discipline definitely disrupts employment aspects for parents. And what they're saying is that the school has to really deal with this. We have to um, create a warm and welcoming environment for our parents as well. A lot of parents feel intimidated by the schools or they feel like they're not welcome or their opinion is not valued in the schools. So that collective, collaborative approach with school uh, school violence organizations, with social workers, with psychologists and educators, it has to include parents and even the voices of the students. They have to be heard. They should be uh, having a role in uh, creating the disciplinary issues so that we have a culture where it's not just enforced by administrators, but it's also enforced by the community and and the school students. Okay. Dr. Charles Bell, Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice at Illinois State University. Really great to have you here with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Okay. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow, and I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.